in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. And welcome to the show. Another tragic weekend for Minnesota sports. Besides the Wild, uh, Vikings lose, Gophers lose, uh, both equally hurtful, I would say, equally painful, maybe more so on the Gophers side of things. Davis Kim joining the show today to talk Vikings football. He'll be on in just a second, uh, but we'll just set the show. We're going to talk Vikings. We're going to talk Gophers. We'll talk Wild. And listen to Davis Kim right now. Here he is from Pro Football Focus, Davis Kim. And we now welcome on Davis Kim from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Davis, another disappointing weekend of Vikings football. Um, where, do, where do we even start with this team right now? I mean, my thoughts are fire Mike Zimmer. And I don't know if you're in the same boat, but it just seems like week after week, it's the same story. It's losing close games. I think seven of the eight games have been one score games. Uh, so far, the first eight for Minnesota. And we just can't find a way to win those games. And a lot of it's bonehead play calling at the end or bonehead coaches taking two timeouts in a row and then guys missing tackles on third and 15 consecutive weeks in a row now um, and misaligning on, on third and 15 this last week against the Ravens. Uh, where where do you, where we began with the Vikings in your mind? Is it fire Mike Zimmer or is there something else that's wrong with this team? Um, over the years, I've honestly kind of like tried to support Zimmer because I kind of felt that like comparing it to like some, like maybe like the, like the Leslie Frazier days and like the tail end of the Brad Shoulders days, I felt like he kind of kept us more relevant and consistent over the years. But I think like over the years, we've kind of realized that um, I Zimmer will maybe like kind of keep us in games, but I just don't think he really like does enough to make us a serious contender. And I think it's kind of just about time to make a big shift all around for how the team's being managed. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I think a lot of it too can go on the shoulders of Clint Kubiak. I mean, obviously it's just his first year as a play caller in the NFL. But aside from the first 15 scripted plays, which he's been really good at, I mean, I think we've scored now like five weeks in a row on the opening on the opening series, a touchdown. And he's done great on that. But the inability to adjust in-game has been just staggering. And they just they can't figure out a way to do it. And when they do try to adjust, it comes at the wrong time, and they take shots at the wrong time. But there's just too many three and outs. I mean, you can't go three and out that many times and expect the defense to take 90-some snaps with without Harrison Smith and without Daniel Hunter and without Michael Pierce. I mean, they're just not going to hold up that long. And that was just the story on Sunday. Yeah, you could just see that. Like, I think um, going into the fourth quarter, or maybe even, like, the third, like third quarter plus the first drive in the fourth quarter, I think I, like, looked, and at that point we had, like, 16 total yards and three drives in the second half. So, so the defense got super worn down there. And pretty much just at that point, the Ravens were just moving the ball at will, and there wasn't really much we could do about it. Um, but, yeah, like 
on going back to like Kubiak, um, I think uh, it's it is really weird how like the first like scripted drives are always super successful and we look great. So it just, but it's it's weird because I I think like under script maybe there's some promise there if you're trying to be positive on Kubiak, but I guess just like as a play caller, it's really hard to just defend a lot of his decisions throughout the game. Yeah. And some of that goes on Kirk cousins as well. We were talking before and we talked about on the podcast last week, but there was a next gen stat um, that I guess it's ESPN next gen stats. They put out last week that Kirk was the least aggressive quarterback in terms of throwing with a defender within one yard of the receiving target. Uh, And I guess through seven weeks, then he was bottom last in the league of of most aggressive, uh, or I guess least aggressive in that sense. PFF has a similar stat. Were you mentioning to me uh, before that? What, what is that for Kirk? Um, Well, just what I saw, what I was like, I was looking at average depth of target and just like, I think it just has like a measure of like how aggressive the quarterback is or how far, how much we're trying to use the passing game to push the ball down the field. And Kirk currently is second to last, just above Jared Goff and just below Big Ben, which is not great and kind of confusing with sort of the number of receiver options we have this year. Yeah. And you'd think Justin Jefferson's second year in the league is only going to get better you got an emerging third receiver now who really is an established third receiver in KJ Osborne and Adam Thielen's been healthy and you still got Dalvin Cook in the backfield for the majority of this season. I, I, I don't know what the issue is. I mean, it's it's difficult to watch and it's so predictable. Uh, it's so yeah. predictable and it's just, it's tough to be a fan right now. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's really hard to watch the offense because it's, uh, it's 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 just it's weird on their play selection where even when you think of like you kind of expect us to run the ball a lot and maybe run it too much and give the ball to Dalvin Cook a lot, but it it even seems like with Dalvin that we don't really have much of a plan to even get him involved in the game. It's it's just totally out of rhythm and far too many plays scripted to Tyler Conklin and CJ Ham. It's just, it's very bizarre. Yeah, and and Kirk just refuses to force the ball to Jefferson. He just refuses to do it. And every week in the media, they ask him, and every week he gives the same answer. Uh, I take what the defense gives me. They've been playing too high. We've heard that now for three years. Oh, they've been playing too high, taking away the deep shot, so that's why I'm checking the ball down. Well, at some point, and the good quarterbacks and the good receivers, you don't hear Aaron Rodgers saying that. You don't hear Patrick Mahomes saying that. Oh, they're playing too high, so I can't throw it deep anymore. No, you just have to find a way to beat it. You got to find a way to get a guy on the outside and a guy on the inside and pump one way and then throw a bullet right on the line. And he has that ability, but just this regression that we've seen out of Kirk. I mean, last year was completely different, I feel like, in the way Kirk was playing after that slow start he had to the year. But the the last 11 games of the season for Kirk were at an MVP pace. I mean, he was playing great football, and he was taking deep shots, and the offense was clicking. And we thought, okay, we throw a defense behind this, this offense, and we got a, we got something here. And, and all of a sudden, the whole offense just blows up this year for really no reason. I mean, they got better on paper for sure. And we've just seen a big step back 
from Kirk Cousins in my mind in his ability to throw the ball deep. And maybe some of that, and probably some of it for sure, is on the offensive line. Um, do you have any of those numbers we talked about before we started recording here? Um, how did the offensive line grade out on, on Sunday in terms of run blocking and pass blocking uh, just from this last Sunday? Um, so from, um, from like the PFF grades, at least, um, run blocking wasn't, wasn't great. It was, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but I feel like that's somewhat expected against the Ravens front seven where they're not an easy team to run the ball against. But when it came down to pass blocking, it, it really wasn't terrible. We, they only surrendered eight pressures and I, maybe part of that is due to Kirk getting rid of the ball so quick, which might lower the pressures, but still, I don't think by any means he was under duress the whole game. No. And I think it was, was it 28 dropbacks for Kirk and only eight pressures. That's not bad at all. No. Yeah. And, and there's really no clear answer, but it's just whatever we're doing right now, we can't keep doing it. It's you got to fire the offensive coordinator or you got to get rid of the head coach or you got to get rid of everybody, but the, the Wilfs need to do something. I, I can't watch this football team continue to get up early, cower and, and try to hold on to the lead and then lose the lead late, find a way to lose. And that's just what they've been doing now for the last couple of years. It's just NFL purgatory going close to 500, not getting a great draft pick, not getting into the playoffs and then just being stuck in this cycle of mediocrity. It's the worst place to be for a sports team. Yeah, I kind of agree. So, like, one thing I've been kind of just thinking about is, like, minus coaching, like, let's say, like, we had, like, perfect coaching, um, perfect coordination. Do you, like, still, do you think that this, like, roster that we have now could actually even get it done? Uh, I mean, I have, I have questions, but I think – the biggest issue in my mind right now is the coaching staff and it's the sure. way the, the coach handles the media. It's the way the coach handles uh, the relationship with the starting quarterback. It's the way the coach handles timeouts and last minute of halves, particularly the last minute of the second half. He's been so bad at, at managing the clock in those situations. And some of that can go on Kirk because he's not really stepping up, but it starts with the head coach. So that's who we're going to blame first. And I think in my mind, this is a, this is a team at least on paper, that, that can win. And with maybe Kyle Shanahan as our next head coach, I don't mind Kirk. I, I mean, we're kind of hamstrung with him till at least 22, till at least next season. Uh, but I don't think you blow up the roster. I think you try to keep the pieces that you have here. I think you got a good thing on offense. If you can get the right play calls, if you can get some protection for Kirk, I, I don't think they're that far off uh, from striking gold. And that could be as simple as firing Clint and getting some new blood in there and letting somebody else take the reins for a little bit. And, and, Zimmer obviously has an effect on offensive coordinators because they've gone through them at a ridiculous pace now the last five years um, in Minnesota. But whatever uh, whatever Zimmer is doing to offensive coordinators and telling Kirk or telling the offensive coordinator the way to pl- call the games, I mean, that has to change immediately. He's got no idea what he's doing, and that's been proven now time and time again. Uh, so in my mind, I think this team can win. This, this core group of players, they got good players. I think they're at least held together for another year with, with the core group of this team. And I think if you make some changes along the coaching staff, you could still have a chance to win in the next few years. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's how I've always felt. And maybe it's just because of the recent results, I've become increasingly more pessimistic, but I, uh, I guess so. I, the main thing was I was just looking sort of like, and like, if like we were considering like doing a full blow up, it would likely be like trading a bunch of assets, firing Steelman, firing Zimmer, and then kind of keeping our youngest core and just building up from that. Um, and just kind of looking back at uh, Spielman's draft record, it's honestly pretty unimpressive. It's uh, it's like it's it's a little like pretty much only the whole team is was pretty much what we have now is because he had one amazing year in 2015 where we were able to get Kendricks, Daniil Hunter, and Diggs all outside of the first round. But all of our first round selections since we got Spielman have been not that great. A lot of duds, especially the last like five to six years. Yeah. I mean, if you take out Justin Jefferson and he's only in year two, but if you take him out, it's, I think it's literally a dud every year. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up right now, but I mean, Mike Hughes, that was a, he was a first round pick. Jeff Gladney. Gladney. Uh, Laquan Treadwell. Garrett Bradbury. Trey Waynes. Yep. I mean, it, yeah. If you don't, if you take out rounds like four through six, uh, and, and the Vikings just have average drafts, like in that 2015, there's a couple other drafts before and after that too, where, where, where Spielman has just found some guys. Uh, but if you take out those massive picks, he definitely doesn't have a job right now. And, and this isn't even a competitive team. But, I mean, you got to include that when you're, kind of reviewing his resume, I guess. But um, let's see. Uh, won't give me. Well, this is taking kind of long. But um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too opposed to see to see Spielman go. Uh, I, I don't think he's showing us a lot. I, I don't think, uh, particularly with bringing in Kirk, Zimmer hated that, and there was really no discussion. I, I, I don't mind Kirk. I still, I guess, would say I like the deal, but... It does not work. This this quarterback and this head coach, they do not mix together. And I think the sooner we can get those guys broken up and, and the sooner we can get rid of Mike Zimmer, because it's inevitable at this point. I mean, this team, yeah. is, it's inevitable. He's going to lose his job. So why not just start now? Why not start now? you got, uh, what, nine games left? Uh, why not start now and, and just get a jump on next season? I agree. And I think, I guess, like, that would be, that would be one of the options is instead of fully blowing everything up, maybe just get rid of Zimmer and then at least give the team a one-year opportunity to try to maybe spread the offense out a little bit, um, run more of a modern offense. And if Kirk really struggles with it, similar to kind of how he struggled with uh, the Filippo, then I think that would be maybe the telltale sign that it's time to blow it up, but maybe it works. And then maybe from there you can keep some of the core around and continue to build from that. But I think that's pretty much like the only two options I feel like we have at this point. So I think it's just Simmer's got to go. And then we either do something drastic or we have to bring in some fresh blood and see what, how that would work. Yeah. 
And I think if, I guess right now I'm the biggest uh, fan of anybody who's playing the 49ers because I want them to finish like three and 14 and that, that's not going to happen, but I want them to have a very bad record. So Kyle Shanahan gets fired. The Vikings can hire him because I think that'd be such a good fit for Kirk. Uh, Kyle, he's, he's wanted Kirk out in San Francisco before the Vikings signed him. Even during, there were some talks about sending Kirk over that way. And I think that would be just a great offense for Kirk Cousins to get back into that Shanahan offense and to get him rolling out. I know the protection hasn't been there all year, so we haven't really been able to run the rollouts and the boots and all that that Kirk just ripped teams apart on last year. Uh, but if you can get back into that offense that we had two years ago, or just a season ago, I guess, uh, I think we could do great stuff, great stuff with, with Kyle Shanahan. So I would hope to see the uh, 49ers lose a lot of games. Do you think that's a possibility at all that Shanahan gets fired? Uh, I think it definitely could be a possibility because um, I believe Shanahan, since joint, since getting hired on as the 49ers head coach, has a losing record. And I think if, if it's, they're kind of in a similar situation where they kind of have this roster that's teetering on it's a lot of people think it's super loaded or is it time to totally change things up? So I could, I think it's definitely a possibility. I don't think he's quite on the hot seat yet, but I think he, if the year just turns out to be a complete disaster, I think he could definitely work himself into that position. Yeah. I would love to see it. I would love to see Shanahan in some purple and gold marching up and down the sidelines, getting this offense firing, getting Jefferson more than two targets or three targets a game. I mean, it's ridiculous that for a second straight straight week, uh, Tyler Conklin has more targets than Justin Jefferson. Uh, Davis, any other thoughts, Vikings-related, NFL-related, anything uh, related to uh, football? Um, I guess just... Uh... At this point, how, what do you think uh, our fi- our final record will be? Do you, where do, you, do you think we finish close to five hundred? Do you think we fall apart, or do you think we? What do you What do you see? I see us going about seven and nine. I see us hanging on to Zim all the way through the end, and then firing him uh, on Black Monday, the uh, the first Monday yeah. after the NFL season. And I, I see us just start with a new head coach next year. I don't think they're going to make a lot of roster changes. I think they'll probably get rid of Spielman as well. And maybe it'd be a good idea to get rid of Spielman during the season. And I could see them doing that so that the next GM could come in, get a feel for the team, get a feel for the players and get an idea of who his next head coach wants. He, he wants that coach to be, cause that's a pretty important relationship uh, that again has been a problem. Any relationship really with Zimmer's had with this team on quarterback side or GM side has been a problem. And that's been a, a problem as well. So you got to get somewhere, somebody that fits uh, in the same personality. So I'd like to see him, I guess, get rid of Spielman. I could see them doing this, getting rid of Spielman. And then at the end of the season, getting rid of Zimmer and then bringing in a new staff for next season. But I see him going about seven to nine with those a few other things going on in the background. Uh, your thoughts for Vikings final record. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think, I think though, and also like our strength of schedule isn't, it's not super favorable. We, we still like, uh, we still have a lot of very tough games on the schedule. We have to play the Packers twice, the bears twice. Um, I think we'd be lucky to even chop those divisional rounds. Cause we have, we struggle 
just a ton of what those teams will pass few years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think we'll go over 500 this year. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think we'll be just like slightly under maybe like a, a seven or eight win team yeah. at this point, which is super disappointing, but yeah, I mean, they're going to, they're going to find a way to, uh, have some close games and, and be in some games they shouldn't be in just like they were this weekend. They're, they're probably going to give the Chargers a run for their money and find a way to lose at the end next week on the road and then probably do the same thing against the Packers. I I, I guess I could see the Packers probably blowing us out at home and then we go to Lambeau and play them close and then lose by 10 uh, due to some late game miscues, maybe a pick six uh, by Kirk Cousins that, that makes it a 10-point game. But uh, they're going to be in some games. They're probably going to be in almost every one of them. And they're just going to find ways to lose. And that's just been the story of the Mike Zimmer era. Finding ways to lose. Finding ways to shoot yourself in the foot. And we didn't even talk about the penalties, but the penalties were ridiculous on Sunday. And that's just, that's been the story yeah. of this team. Undisciplined, inconsistent, and unable to finish. And it's just, uh, it's a rough state of affairs for the Vikings fans. But that's kind of how I see the uh, the rest of the season going for us. I, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, another thing actually I, I was thinking is about Kirk is that I feel like in past years, he I think this just kind of shows how like um, just not like the lack of aggression in our passing games. I feel like in past years there would be at least a, a few just oh no plays from Kirk, but I feel like that just hasn't even really been happening this year because of our lack of aggression. Right. So I don't know, maybe I think I, I, that's really, I guess what I want to see out of the year is just hopefully we can open Kirk up, see like really get a get better look at like what we can get from him. And then I think we'll have a better idea of how to move forward. Cause it's just, it's a little tough where we have a lot of, we have like kind of an idea of what Kirk is, but it would be nice to, I guess, see him more in a, a system that kind of accompanies our roster a lot better. So I don't know. Right. And it's hard because we still have Zimmer, who's going to overshadow and is going to have his fingers on the offense, albeit a little bit. But that little difference makes a big difference when it's get up two scores. Now we're going to run the football. And that's just the Zimmer influence on, on any offense we've had over the last eight years here with him. Um, but I would like to see it too. Open it up. Let Kirk eat a little bit. Let Kirk rip it down the field. Let's see if he's still got the arm. Let's see if he, he's the guy that we can move forward with in a new system. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Davis, thank you for joining us. Um, after a tough loss, hopefully we don't have too many more of these uh, devastating losses where it's just, let's just get blown out or let's just blow somebody out. Let's just not have one score game every way, every, every game, but we'll see what happens. Thanks Davis. Yep, absolutely. And a special thanks to Davis Kim for joining us tonight on a tough week to talk about anything related to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, but that's just what it's been. That's what it's been. Let's go from one misery to the next. Let's talk Gopher football. They lose to Illinois on Saturday, 14-6. to It's the second time this season the Gophers have lost at home as double-digit favorites. Uh, and it makes things pretty interesting now in the Big Ten West. Four teams tied atop the West with Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue. All 4-2 and two now in conference play. It's going to make the last three weeks here for the Gophers very interesting. 
Um, we've seen this story before, and it usually ends up with the Gophers losing to Iowa and to Wisconsin. But Iowa and Wisconsin both have looked beatable, have looked fairly pedestrian in my mind, particularly that Iowa offense. They're terrible. The Wisconsin offense, if we're talking about bad offenses, they're terrible. Unfortunately, uh, the Gopher offense looked terrible on Saturday. So we'll see which terrible offense can turn things around uh, in Kinnick next Saturday when the Gophers come into town. Uh, but I'm not really counting them out yet. I still think they got some talent along that offensive line. They got some talent on the outside. Tanner Morgan can make plays at times. He had his second worst game maybe of his career uh, on Saturday against Illinois. The first worst in my mind, and just maybe because it's recent memory, but Bowling Green, he was two interceptions in both of those games. Very similar stat lines. I mean, basically no yards throwing, bad incompletions, uh, missed reads, taking sacks. And some of that's obviously not on him, and some of that's on the offensive line, and some of that's maybe on the receivers of not getting open and all these things. But it comes down to the quarterback, and this is P.J. Fleck saying just that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, not, that's, that's without question. We just went 4-0 in October, and uh, he controlled and managed and ran the offense incredibly well. There's a lot of things that go into everybody. You know, everybody, when you're the quarterback and you're the head coach, you're always going to get credit and you're always going to get the blame, and that, that's part of the job. And uh, it falls on me. And from a player's perspective, it always falls on the quarterback, you know. And we'll evaluate everything that we're doing, right, in terms just like we always do in terms of this individual game plan, right? Look at the film, evaluate it, make decisions moving forward that's best for the football team, and we'll continue to do that. And when you listen to P.J. talk about his quarterback, Tanner Morgan, it's such a difference between Mike Zimmer. And I don't have any, there wasn't really any questions this week about Zimmer or, or to Zimmer about Kirk. And I was going to try to find a comparison. Um, but just listen to the way Zimmer talks. This is just going to be a random soundbite from the press conference this week. But just listen to the, the way he talks versus the way PJ talks. And I'll play PJ. I got some other sound bites from his press conference. Uh, but just just listen to the difference. After the game tying touchdown, did you give any thought um, to going for two or was it? Yeah, I thought about it. Um, you know, <clears throat> they got a heck of a kicker, still had, you know, over a minute left and three timeouts, I believe it was. Mike, how do you think uh, Cam? Didn't do good. It, it, uh, we had a chance to put the game away and, uh, after the turnover. We didn't do good there, and then uh, we haven't been good in, in a... Uh, I mean, obviously they're in very different situations at the moment. P.J. Fleck just signed uh, another extension to his contract and, and a bonus as well. He's now making $5 million a year. He's guaranteed through twenty eight. And Zimmer's fighting for his life. But there's such a difference between, I know you're talking about professionals and, and versus college athletes. And so there's going to be some differences in the way they're coaching and maybe the way they're talking to the media. But there's something to be said about the way PJ controls the narrative about his team. He doesn't let the media run crazy with stories about how his starting quarterback is ruining this team. He doesn't let the media dictate. Uh, the the questions about getting the vaccine, I mean, that was ridiculous the way that Mike Zimmer just let Kirk hang out there to dry about the vaccine, about a personal health decision. And now you see about Rodgers coming out and all, it just total malarkey. But back to the point here is I think Zim could definitely take a page out of the way PJ talks and handles the media and the way 
he handles his players and their relationships with his players and how he has their back when he goes and talks to those reporters. And it's obviously two very different personalities in PJ Fleck and Mike Zimmer. Uh, but it's just so much more op- optimistic. I feel so much more positive about this Gophers team and how they're going to do in the next five years versus the Vikings. Here's more from PJ Fleck. It's just to them is everything's in front of us. I said, I mean, that's, this is big 10 football. Everybody wants to win every game. I'd like to win every game. That team in there would like to win every game. But there's really good coaches in this league and really good players in this league. And every week's a battle. And uh, you get to see that all across the board. This team that we just lost beat Penn State a few weeks ago. And I told every single one of you that wasn't, that wasn't a fluke. I said that in, in the press. This is, that was not a fluke. They're a really good football team defensively. They fly around. They create a lot of issues for you. And we just didn't convert enough. And we didn't get ahead of the chains. Um, and, you know, everything's in front of us. But there's four teams in the league in the West that everything's in front of them. So we'll see how it all goes. we got 21 days. It's going to be a 21-day sprint, one game at a time, but it's November, middle of November, and we're in the hunt for the Big Ten West Championship. And, and that is what the goal is going to be every year, is to be in the hunt. You want to be in the hunt. I said that when I first took the job. When you get to November, you want to be in the hunt, and we're in the hunt. With three weeks left, we're in the hunt. And we got to find a way to play better than we did today, and I promise you we will. And not to say that the players listen to their head coach when he's interviewed by the local media and maybe in some cases the national media, but there's some there, there's at least a, maybe a, a press clipping that they see or a headline or whatever. I mean, they're not probably listening to that exact words from P.J. Fleck, but they're going to see those words written down or they're going to just at least know because I'm sure he says the same thing to them in the locker room. And you can hear the difference between <clears throat> a defeated Mike Zimmer and an optimistic P.J. Fleck. I mean, P.J.'s got every reason to go into that press conference pissed off, to go into that press conference and give one-word answers and to mope and to complain and to, to take two minutes of questioning and give one-word answers to Courtney Cronin on consecutive days, which is what Mike Zimmer did. He's got every reason to do that after losing us. Uh, the second time this year at, as a double-digit home favorite to a much inferior opponent. But he didn't. And what he goes in with is positives. And, I mean, the Vikings aren't completely out of it. Obviously, we've written them off. But from a numbers perspective at 3-5 and five, with some injuries, obviously, that are going to be a factor later on in the season, like Daniil Hunter missing the rest of the year. Harrison Smith not going to be there on Sunday. And Garrett Bradbury... Maybe back, but even if he is back, he's not very good, so it doesn't really matter. But there's just such a difference in the way that PJ handles his program and the way Mike Zimmer does. And I don't know how much coordination there is there, correlation, I should say, there is there. Uh, but I think it's something to watch moving forward. Let's talk wild for just a second here. Seventh come from behind win on Sunday night for your Minnesota Wild, now eight and three on the young season. Um, since our last recording, Kirill Kaprizov last Tuesday night, I believe, um, broke the seal finally, scoring a goal in overtime to give the Wild another come from behind win. Uh, as now it's been all season, uh, but Kaprizov finally getting in the goal column, uh, as well as Ryan Hartman. I mean, he's been clutch all year. I don't know how many total goals he's had, but he's been on an absolute tear uh, of goals and assists. He had. Uh, two goals over the weekend, I believe one of them um, 
with two seconds left to force overtime. Uh, so just getting a ton of points from unexpected places right now for this gopher or for this uh, Minnesota Wild team, much to the delight of Dean Evison, the head coach, as I'm sure of at least. I don't have any sound bites from him, but I'm sure he's pumped. They're getting points from all across the board, um, especially with the slow start to Kaprizov and Fiala. I don't think they've produced nearly up to their expectation uh, that this team has for them, the front office, that the fan base, that the head coach has for this team. Uh, but they're still finding ways to win and finding ways to come from behind. Uh, that'll do it for today. We'll be back next week breaking down another Vikings loss, uh, most likely, and hopefully a Gophers win. We'll see you all then. In the house.